Chapter Twenty Eight of An Unwilling Guest by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Twenty Eight: A Battle with the Fever. What here? Said the younger doctor as the carriage stopped. Not Evelyn Rutherford, and there was something startling in his voice which made Dr. Attlee look at him curiously. Why, yes, do you know her? Didn't I mention the name before? Yes, I know her, answered Dr. Gray, his voice under perfect control, but his face white and anxious, as he tried to recall everything the doctor had said about the case. There was very little hope. He remembered that, and it was an obscure case. It was with his own quiet manner that he entered the sick room, and looked with grave eyes at the wasted face of the beautiful girl. Her eyes were bright and restless, and she seemed not to see what was going on about her. He laid his practiced finger on her wrist. For one instant her eye seemed to be caught by his, and then the restless tossing went on, and a low inarticulate moaning. Dr. Gray studied the nurse's chart carefully. Her pulse is very irregular, he said in a low voice to Dr. Attlee, and then bent his head to listen to her heart. The soft rattle of thin paper caught his ear as he bent down to listen. He stepped back and called the nurse. What is this paper, nurse? I cannot hear well because of the rattle. It is a letter, doctor, which she put there when she was first taken. She will not let us touch it. It makes her so much worse that we have left it there. It must come out for a little, he said. Let me try. Miss Rutherford, he spoke in a quiet tone which usually commanded attention. She fixed her bright eyes on his face. I want to move this letter for a moment, he said, still in the same firm voice. I will put it back. Whether she comprehended anything or not, she did not stir her eyes from his face as he gently took the little parcel which the nurse had wrapped in a soft white handkerchief when she found that the letter must be left in its hiding place. He laid it beside the pillow where it could easily be given back, and went on with his examination of the heart. At last he raised his head. I will stay, he said to Dr. Attlee, his professional unreadable mask on. But Dr. Attlee thought he detected a strange tremble to the usually firm voice. He did not leave her side. The night came on. The father and brother came in and wrung the hand of the watching doctor with grave welcome, but daring not to ask a question. They had heard of his wonderful rescue by this time, but it was no time to speak of rescues. Death, as grim if not so horrible, stood waiting to snatch another dear one from them. They went out, and each strong man sobbed in the silence of his room. They knew as if by instinct that the crisis was at hand. There settled upon the household the hush of expectancy, which always comes when the last hope has been tried, and the dear one seems to be slipping, slipping into the beyond. The new doctor was very particular, the day nurse told the night nurse. He did everything himself, and seemed to think no one else knew how. As the evening drew toward midnight, he did not leave the bedside, nor take his eyes from Evelyn's face. She was sleeping now, and had been for several hours. They would soon know whether it was a sleep unto life or death. 
he had given orders that the father and brother be near at hand that they might be instantly called if there was any change as the hands of his watch neared the hour when he expected to see a change of some sort he signed to the nurse to go and prepare some nourishment which had been previously ordered she had scarcely slipped from the room when the great eyes opened and fixed themselves upon the doctor with what looked to him like recognition they seemed to light with a sudden joy is this heaven she asked in a thin high-keyed voice of those who were almost over the borderland there was wonder and delight in her tone no dear this is your own room he answered gently his heart sinking a shadow of disappointment seemed to cross her face she made a quick motion to her breast as if she had remembered something and found it gone he divined her intention and put in her hand the letter still wrapped in the handkerchief as the nurse had laid it by but she did not seem to recognize it her hand kept fumbling for the letter where she had placed it an agonized expression coming into the great hollow eyes my letter was it all a dream you wrote me a letter sitting by the sick man in the little whitewashed room and the boxers were coming she said he was unfolding the handkerchief to show her the letter but he started suddenly and almost lost his professional control of himself until he remembered the great necessity for care with a superhuman effort he steadied his voice to reply as he spread his own letter before her eyes and his own astonished ones yes darling it is all true the letter is here and i wrote it his voice steadied as he spoke with the great love for her that was in his heart he was calling her that dear name at last as naturally as if he had always been allowed the precious privilege and had not been longing for it for months yes and years but in this supreme moment no thought of it came to him she was dying perhaps but she loved him he loved her and he would save her if he could she must be quiet the nurse came in with the nourishment and he gave her some you must not talk he said you must sleep you have been ill but you were dead said evelyn her eyes still upon his face no i did not die i am well and here and now you must sleep and get well then i will tell you all about it she half smiled and said kiss me as a child would say it to its mother he stooped and kissed the white forehead much to the amazement of the nurse who could not understand this strange doctor and disapproved entirely of so much conversation evelyn smiled and closed her eyes obediently then opened them again and made a little groping motion with her hand he sat down beside her and held the wasted hand in his own she smiled again and fell asleep as gently and naturally as a little child but the watcher when he had dismissed the nurse by a sign to the other end of the room sat immovable scarcely daring to breathe gradually the truth was dawning upon him it was his letter he had known it at once but how did it get here since he had never placed it in the crack between the two stones as it said the shot had taken him unaware he had fallen near the sick man's cot and the old faithful servant hurrying in had dragged him beneath the chinaman's bed and hastily spread the bedclothes so that they would hide him as he lay then the faithful chinese friend had gone out 
and told how all the foreign devils and the secondary foreign devils had fled to peking and left only a poor old chinaman who was lying very ill with his heart cut out and begged that they would keep that quarter as quiet for his sake as possible when they learned who it was that was sick and had sent a representative to look inside who found it was true they went away most marvellously and left them so that after a few hours the faithful old cook dared to bring out his beloved doctor and friend and hide him in a little loft over the kitchen where under careful directions he had dressed the wound and nursed him back to some degree of strength and then smuggled him by night in strange ways until he found assistance to reach home but the letter how did it get to america it must have fallen on the floor when he was shot but he said he knew nothing of it and supposed it must have been destroyed a wave of thanksgiving went up from the heart of the young doctor that god had taken the matter out of his hands and sent the letter in spite of him since it had come to a welcome here but his face remained the same as the nurse from her post of observation from time to time glanced that way he did not change his position he held close the small white hand though the breathing continued steadily on and the sleeper did not move he shook his head when the nurse with the importance of her office which seemed to be ignored rustled up by and by and offered to take his place and let him rest from time to time his watch came out and he studied the fluttering pulse little by little the strain of anxiety relaxed and he watched her face hungrily as evelyn slept on toward dawning she opened her eyes took medicine and nourishment smiled and slept again he watched her for a while then drew a long sigh and turning to the nurse who had come to take the medicine glass he said you may tell her father that i think she will live she crept slowly out from under the shadow of danger like some ship that was almost floundered and is scarcely yet sure of her way but close beside her day and night stayed her faithful physician if anybody could save her i knew gray could said dr attlee the next morning and the nurse heard him and bit her lip in vexation it was her opinion that dr gray was entirely too officious evelyn when she came to herself lay smiling and obedient content to lie and rest and be at peace her saviour had had his way with her and though it had led her through sorrow it had come out into a blossoming way of peace and joy she did not question at all during those first days it was enough to see maurice gray and to have his ministry the vision of the whitewashed room was not with her now it had vanished at his voice one morning she put her white hand shyly on his as he gave her some medicine and said maurice i love you it was to them both an answer to his letter dear heart he murmured low and touched her closed eyes with his lips getting back to his dignified position just in time for the nurse to appear in the room the days of convalescence were sweet he would not let her talk much of the time that had gone between this and their last meeting he feared the excitement of recalling those sad days but together they went back over their brief meetings and told each other all that was in their hearts do you think that i shall be too stupid to ever be able to help you just a little in your work when we get back to china she asked him suddenly one day almost timidly 
I would rather have died than feel I should be a hindrance to you. She never seemed to doubt for an instant that he would go back as soon as the way opened, and it was safe to go, and she seemed to take delight in making little plans for the voyage and their home when they should reach there. Well, young man, said Mr. Rutherford one evening, when he had been spending a little time in his daughter's room, the first night that she was allowed to lie on the sofa after the evening meal, it seems that you have saved this girl for us, and now the only thing in decency that I can do to reward you is to give her to you. She tells me she can only be happy hereafter converting boxers in China. It's a good deal, you ask, sir, but I guess you deserve it. And the father went out hastily, wiping his eyes. After that Evelyn's strength came rapidly. She began to walk a few steps about the room. After a triumphal procession one evening, across the length of her room and back, in the presence of her father and brother, she lay down on her bank of soft pillows, smiling. Dr. Gray turned to Mr. Rutherford, Sr., a curiously grave look upon his face. Now, with your permission, father, he said, I will marry her and take her down to the shore. I think the sea air would be just the thing at this time of year. The father looked up a little surprised, but he was too practical a man to be long astonished at anything that appealed to his good sense. When? he asked laconically, after the two had looked one another calmly in the eye for a moment. Tomorrow, answered Maurice Gray promptly. Well, I suppose that'll be a very sensible thing to do, answered the father after a moment's thought. What do you say, Evelyn? Can you get ready for your wedding in one day? I'm ready now, father, said Evelyn, smiling, and closing her eyes lest any one should see the too much joy shining there that was meant only for one. Well, upon my word, you are rushing things, said Richard Rutherford in amazement. Why, here Allison thinks she can't get together enough flounces and feathers in six months to be married, and you, Evelyn, are willing to go wrapped in a blanket. I declare I never saw two such people in my life. There was jealousy in his tone, and the rest only laughed, and they all separated quietly as if nothing unusual had taken place. In the middle of the morning, with only Dr. Attlee and her father and brother for witnesses, with Marie and the nurse in the background, Evelyn was married by the same minister who had once preached a sermon to the bride and bridegroom some two years before. They had dressed her in a soft white china silk wrapper, because I am going to China, you know, she laughingly explained. And when the ceremony was over, they wrapped her in a great white fleecy shawl and laid her on the sofa with the windows open so that she might get a breath of outside air while she rested. She ate her wedding breakfast of beef tea obediently and went to sleep a little while before the carriage came to take them to the train. And so the elegant Miss Rutherford without sound of music or profusion of presents and flowers or heralding of cards and weary rush of dressmakers and tailors passed out of new york society and became the unknown missionary's wife just mrs gray oh those days by the sea where in spite of the time of year the sky was blue and the wind as soft as summer sighings with a deep spice of life-giving power Oh, those rides in the wheeled chair, with her dear husband to push her, and to halt by her side, 
and read aloud in the sun-parlor or casino when she was ready to listen. It was like heaven on earth. She grew strong and well, like her former self, only with a depth of sweetness unknown to the Evelyn of old. There were cards of announcements sent out. Richard attended to that. He was enough a part of the world yet to think of those things. Evelyn never even knew about them till she received one at the shore addressed, Dr. and Mrs. Maurice Gray, and below the regulation announcement was written in Richard's hand. Lest you may have forgotten that there really was a wedding. They laughed over it, and were glad together that they had escaped it all, and Evelyn never even wondered at herself. They were going home soon, not to New York, which was very dear, of course, and was home and always would be, but to Maurice's mother and father and sister. They would be there when Allison was married, and for a time afterward, perhaps, until it should be decided when they should go to China. Back to China, Evelyn would continue to say, for since that awful night, when she had watched the vivid picture of her boxers coming, and heard the shot, she said it was just as if she had been there. Whether China would look as the vision had done remained for the future. It was down beside the sea that they told the story of the trials and sorrow and love that had grown during their separation. It was to that one tender listener who sympathized with her every heart-throb that Evelyn told the story of her visit to the attic on the night of his departure, and he in turn recounted every thought of his heart toward her in those lonely days when he had only a memory without hope to cheer him they went back together to new york when evelyn was quite strong for a few weeks before going to hillcroft jane worthington came over in her old-time fashion to call she looked older and worn and hard she talked of her gaieties in so reckless a fashion that it almost broke evelyn's heart to hear oh yes harry is going on worse than ever she said in answer to a gentle question he drinks and gambles away every cent he can get from me or father or cousin ned besides that he disgraces me by running around with actresses but i don't care any more i have found a few friends of my own there is one man who just worships me harry fairly hates him but i like him very much myself and i find i can have a little fun of my own in fact evelyn i'm more than half in love to tell you the truth she laughed in a wild, unnatural way, while Evelyn shuddered. "'Oh, Jane,' she said in a pained voice, "'don't. I cannot bear to hear you talk so. You are a married woman.' "'Married!' and Jane laughed again, that empty, hard laugh. "'Yes, what have I married?' Evelyn was relieved that her husband came in just then for a moment. He had a question to ask, and he called her dear. There was no ostentation, but the visitor could not help but see the affection in voice and look, and the perfect confidence between the two. "'My, but he is fine-looking,' commented Jane, before he was fully out of hearing. "'And he really thinks a lot of you, doesn't he? How nice! I hope it will last. You deserve it. You had a very romantic marriage, after all, didn't you? But do you really mean that you are going to bury yourself in China? What makes you? Won't he give it up? I heard he has fine chances here if he will only stay. We are going for the love of Christ, Jane, said Evelyn in a sweet low voice. Her testimony was shy, for she was not used to speaking as Allison had been brought up to do. 
haven't you got over those notions yet said the caller getting up to go well i wish i was half as good as you good-bye and evelyn sighed as she thought of the days when she had great influence over this girl and might perhaps have led her into better paths where she would have been saved from all the sorrows and sins with which she was now surrounded End of chapter twenty eight